0: everyone what's going on welcome back to the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast this is your host jay scott thanks again for tuning in don't forget when you're done write us a five-star review on any platform that you are listening on we always appreciate speaking of platforms we are on the pantheon podcast platform a great network of music related podcasts something for everyone's taste is a Whole bunch. Go check them out at com, as well as on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pantheon Pods. And you can do the same with the Hook Rocks. You can check out the Hook Rocks on all three of those platforms. Just search us up at the Hook Rocks and get involved in the conversations and in the posts that we do on all three social media platforms. We always appreciate and try to interact as much as we can. And we've had some great episodes. You can check them all out. We're approaching our Four year anniversary and our 500th episode within the next week or so. So please check out those episodes. But some of the previous stuff we've done this year, we just had Josh Todd from Buck Cherry. Welcome Zach from the band Abrams and jacks Howell, the great singer songwriter who just released a new album, only the wild ones back in May. So some great stuff going on with that. She just had an album release party in Nashville. She talks about it on the latest episode. We also did a live album review with our friend. Robin DeHood, the recividus on Twitter. We talk the epic, legendary, cheap trick album at Budokan. Pretty much the album that set the course for the band and the band's popularity. Their largest and biggest selling album, most successful album. And we give our insight and talk about the album. The local boys here from Illinois, from Rockford, which is about 90 miles West of Chicago. So check out that episode. Also check out some of the previous stuff we've done earlier in the year, like Kip Winger. A lot of you liked that episode and enjoyed it. Thanks for all the DMs and, and appreciate the feedback of saying it's probably their favorite interview we've ever done. So thank you very much for that. We had Richie Kotzen earlier this year from the Winery Dogs. We also welcome back, I should say, uh, consider him a podcast friend, so to speak, or a friend because of the podcast, and that's George Lynch the fourth time he's been on the episode. And of course, we had Rick and Dax Nielsen from Cheap Trick. Expect Dax to make an appearance here again shortly. He's currently on tour with Cheap Trick, so we got lots to talk about with him. And we've also covered a lot of other things too as well. We had our Music Business Insider episode on earlier a few months ago. We talked about AI, live streaming, and TikTok. And we'll continue to revisit those topics as we move forward this year. Uh, lots of stuff happening with that. And Christy will be on next month to further that conversation. So please be on the lookout for that too as well. And lots of stuff coming up. Lots of stuff we've done this year. So please tune in. Please check them all out. And it's that time once again, folks. We are doing our quarterly audio episode with our audio professor, our audio expert. You can find him on Twitter at Skylabs and you can find them at a lot of local Chicago concerts, a lot of local Chicago shows here in the area. And that is Rob. What's happening, man? How are you? Hey, I am doing great, Jay. How are you, man? Doing well. Thank you as always for returning and doing this. A lot of people love these episodes. You do a great job and we're going to be talking about something a little different, where we talk about really what's going on, basically in the in the past or the present, and we're going to be talking about the future of what's happening with audio systems. Because you had a chance to visit the audio show here in Chicago back in April.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. It was, uh, it, you know, it's amazing that that uh, you know we're fortunate we have right here in the Chicagoland area uh, the largest audio uh, expo in uh, all of North America, um, and you know, the uh, trade shows and that kind of thing obviously took a massive hit during COVID, right? I mean, nobody wanted to go to an expo where they were going to be packed full of, uh, lots of rooms with other people. Uh, and you wonder always how these things are going to come back, uh, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, as we've gotten past the pandemic. Well, the Expona show, which was just, uh, which was just at the middle of April, uh, here at the, Schomburg Renaissance Convention Center uh had its absolute record year. Uh it was it was a circus. Uh there were rooms that were so packed that we couldn't even get into them. Uh and uh and you know the end of the end of the show statistics there were 9,000 people that came uh in addition to um uh, uh f- over 500 audio brands that exhibited uh and they had uh they had rooms on 12 floors of the hotel. So uh, it's a it's an amazing thing just, to, you know, by way of of kind of for, you know, so that the listeners can sort of picture how this works. Right. Um, an audio show is a little bit different than if you go to like a car show, for example. Right. So a car show, you need this gigantic open space. Right, everybody puts up their booth, and you you see the car, and you can get into the car, and you want as many people to see it from as far away as possible, and be you know drawn over, uh, you know, and and a lot of shows would be like you know a boat show would be kind of the same thing, and at an audio show, you know, you're going to actually listen to these things in rooms. So what the vendors at the uh, at Expona and the audio shows do is they will set up a stereo in a hotel room. Essentially, the hotel takes the bed out (laughs) i don't know where they put all these beds right but they take the bed and all the furniture out and then uh the vendors move into these you know really standard hotel rooms and they set up their stereo and what they're going to be exhibiting in a bunch of chairs um and, and then the attendees who are you know either just crazed audiophiles like me or people from the press right and uh and and the audiophile publications of which there are still quite a few uh you know will will hop from room to room listening to different stereos so it's a great you know if you're into this sort of thing which is obviously i am uh you know it's a great opportunity to hear a ton of gear at the same time uh that you would never have the opportunity to do in any other kind of venue right and uh and it's uh you know it's just a gas from that perspective you know we're uh, it it occurred over three days. I went to two of the three days. we probably could have seen every room, listened, I should say more than seen uh, every room if we if I'd been able to go Sunday as well, um but it was uh, uh you know it was just a it was just a madhouse. so the uh, uh, let's start with a couple of uh, with a couple of highlights about it. So with that is the backdrop, hopefully you can envision right what it's like to go you know running around from So room let me to
0: room. just let me just get this straight. So there's not like a big ballroom where they have stuff. This is all each individual rooms throughout the hotel that you go. And the purpose of that is because things sound better in a closed atmosphere rather than a more wide open atmosphere, right?
1: Yeah, to a very large extent, that's right. I mean that some of the smaller ballrooms actually the you know, which are still much bigger than the individual hotel rooms, some of the larger manufacturers do put their setups in the smaller ballrooms. Right, so though, but but the key is you can really only you know you you're playing loud music, right? You can only have one per closed area, um, so and have it work. So that's that's what's sort of driving what uh, what you were talking about. The one big ballroom uh, at the uh, at the Renaissance, I'll I'll talk about in a minute, is the marketplace, um, and you know you can buy. You know, there's some like audio stuff that you could actually buy on the marketplace but the whole point of the marketplace is actually to buy records and cds um so you know there are a bunch of vendors who are there who are selling uh you know and it was largely vinyl but there, you know but there were also uh, there was also cds that were available but i mean you could and i always do buy records when i'm there but i mean you could literally go in and drop thousands of dollars on records in addition and and the the marketplace was busy the entire time and in fact People lined up before the show opened at the doors of the marketplace uh, in hopes of getting you know some of the slightly more sought after stuff that the vinyl vendors had. Right, so you know, in addition to this giant audio expo, there is kind of a mini record fair. Well, maybe more than mini. But, you know, there's a significant again audiophile oriented, but you know, big record fair in the in the ballroom itself.
0: Wow. wow.
1: Yeah, but that's kind of the idea. So yeah, so you're going. You're going into these individual rooms to listen to uh you know to listen to uh different setups. And the you know, this is this is a high-end audio show. I mean, there, you know, there there absolutely were stereos there that are on the more affordable side of things. Um, but there, I mean, a lot of the systems that were being displayed were easily low six figures, right? The whole system. Some were mid-six figures, and one. Uh, one particular room bragged about the fact that the total cost of the stereo that was being uh, uh, demoed in that room was a million bucks. So <laughs> if yeah. you if you've you know if you've ever wondered, okay, well you know what's the what's the range of what you can spend on audio systems? I mean, you can literally go into a Best Buy and and uh, you know buy yourself a stereo for uh, you know where you're buying everything for maybe you know as we've talked about on other shows like maybe three or four five hundred bucks. Two, you walk into Expona and write down some of the stuff that you heard and then go, you know, drop half a million to a million bucks if that's your thing. Um, (laughs) It's uh, and and that and that's part of the fun of going to a show like this is I can never spend a million dollars on a stereo, no matter how badly I wanted to. But I've heard some right i've heard some stereos that were that were priced that what, what so, does
0: a uh, a million dollar stereo system sound
1: like <laughs> oh man i mean it, it's just it, it's just astonishing uh, you know the 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 like that i think the i think the thing that some of the really big, and you, you know when you're talking about a million dollar stereo you're also by sort of the very nature of the thing talking about really large speakers among other things right um and one of the things that 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 the Really big loudspeakers have, and the you know very large amplifiers that are required to power them have going for them is the, the sense of scale that you just do, you can't get from smaller speakers and it, you know you you know you and I go see a ton of live music part of what you get at, it, it, it there's a lot of things that you get at live music that are so awesome but one of the things that you get is like watching a rock band at scale right um, and 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 that is really hard to reproduce in your house. Um, No matter how loudly you play a a small stereo, it just doesn't sound like that. You can actually get remarkably close when you're really spending a lot of money and you have the room, which would be required, uh, you know, for one of these mega systems, let's call them. But, you know, there were there were a couple of uh, there were a couple of rigs there. um, And, uh, you know, the big. Uh, You know the big speakers made by Sonus Faber were one of the examples. I mean, I know those speakers alone are a couple hundred grand, but man, would they move some air! Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just, and it's not just volume that we're talking about here. It's, it's the, it's just the ability to provide that really big, big sound um, that you normally only get when you're seeing live music, and that's that's just hard to reproduce otherwise. But then there was some, you know, there was some other tech there that was uh, that was really cool. So we've talked on the show before uh, a lot about vinyl it was interesting to me that uh, it seemed like there were a few less turntables actually being demonstrated and used than last year uh which is kind of odd in uh uh you know in the juxtaposition of vinyl having had its best sales year since i think it was 1985 right we were talking about that on the last show um, so vinyls exploding, and somehow the high-end people were showing a couple less turntables, although I would still say 80% of the rooms there had turntables in them, uh, and you know some of them very nice. The most impressive thing I saw turntable-wise, uh, there's a company called Esoteric Audio that was actually demonstrating a magnetic drive turntable. Now, I'm not just talking about magnetic levitation, right? there you know maglev turntables have been around now for a couple of years and and you know you can get some of these that are you know that are uh um uh not terribly expensive but this whole thing was not just magnetic levitation but also magnetic drive so the actual platter where the record sits was touching nothing (laughs) and the drive system for it was also entirely electromagnetic so it, it was the It was the quietest running turntable. I mean, it makes zero noise, literally none. Um, absolutely amazing, and the sound coming from the thing was stunning. Uh, It was just absolutely unbelievable, as it should be, because it was eighty grand. Wow! Just the turntable. But how does does that
0: work? Like, how does that whole thing, that mechanism, work?
1: Like. Oh, it's just, right. I, I mean, it's just an incredible piece of engineering. They worked on it for years, right? So, I, you know, the, you need, you know, you need, you don't need the, we don't need an insanely powerful electromagnet, uh, electromagnet to do it, but you need one that's, that's, you know, reasonably powerful. And then you just have to machine this thing in a way. Um, that, you know, that it will operate, you know, that quietly and, and doesn't, you know, doesn't cause any problems when you're, when it's not on. Um, uh, it was, I mean, it's a thing to behold. I, you know, if anybody's interested in this, again, it's esoteric audio that makes this thing and it's well, it's worth watching their video of it just to geek out on if you're into turntables, because there's nothing, there's really nothing quite like this. Not belt drive, not direct drive, magnetic drive uh, a, uh, you know, an amazing, an amazing thing. Um, that was the most innovative turntable I saw. Uh, you know, there were certainly some other things that were interesting. You know, there's been, we did a show, uh, a couple episodes, uh, a couple of my episodes on your podcast back about vintage audio. And there's been a, uh, you know, there's been a noticeable uptick in the number of products demonstrated that are stylized, uh, like vintage audio. Right. And some of them from the big manufacturers. And in fact, you know, one of the most one of the most fun rooms that we were in was, uh, you know, good old Yamaha. Uh, You know, the Yamaha had, you know, every bit of their gear looked like vintage Yamaha gear from the 70s and 80s. Uh, And but, uh, you know, but the sound coming from it was uh, was thoroughly modern and sounded fabulous. I mean, it was it was uh, it was great stuff. It also was not cheap. Um, not as expensive as some of the stuff that I've been talking about, but I still think the you know the sum total price of the of the Yamaha system that they were done they you know all were it was all Yamaha stuff in the same system, but even it was probably like forty grand. Um, but uh, but uh, you know really really cool looking vintage stuff. Much more affordably, uh, there were a bunch of different uh, um, bunch of different speaker models shown by the uh, a reconstituted vintage brand KLH uh, which was big, big, big back in the seventies. Uh, and, uh, uh, and of course, you know, all the, uh, JBL has been making, uh, speakers throughout, you know, they never went out of business. It's still, the, you know, still uh, it's owned by Harmon group now, but it's still, you know, one of the bigger audio companies. And, uh, you know, they demonstrated some cool looking vintage loudspeakers. They were at least somewhat more affordable They're You know, they started at like a grand a pair. Um, so uh, and, they, and I, you know, I've always thought JBL speakers sounded good. So, so that was, uh, you know, that was also impressive. So, in addition to, you know, in addition to all of that, um, the big noticeable thing at this show for the high-end audio people was uh, that every single room was demonstrating digital audio streaming. Now, that doesn't, you know, that you'd say, well, that seems like they haven't made a lot of progress, but you have to consider that the high-end audio world completely ignored streaming until it was lossless right it's like nobody no audio company no high-end audio company in the world was going to play music when it was a you know lossy audio encoding like spotify still is right and we've talked about in uh, one of our other episodes we talked about streaming quality and the different bit rates and all that stuff so until a few years ago when you got actual High resolution digital audio that could be streamed from, it was initially titled that started it. And then, and then, uh, I never pronounced their name right, but, uh, Cuba's, I think is how they say it. Uh, and, uh, and then most recently both Amazon and then Apple, uh, started to stream audio in CD quality or better. Uh, you know, then the high end audio world took notice of that. Um, and, you know, now every single room was demonstrating streaming audio and, you know, showing people just how good the experience from streaming audio can actually be. Uh, and some of those rooms and and streaming devices sounded absolutely fantastic. Um, again, some of them with also fantastical price tags associated with them. So, I, you know, at Expona, it was easy to go into a room and look at a, you know, streaming server, as I think most of them were calling them or, you know, just music network audio device or whatever. Um, you know, easily with price tags in the, you know, three to five thousand range, some of them, you know, significantly more than that. Um, but you know, there that, that I like, the main sort of message is the high end audio world has now not just caught up with uh, the rest of the world in terms of streaming, but is doing what I, what I always want the high-end audio world to do, which is advancing the capability of audio quality for that format, right? So, you know, you're never going to get good quality streaming devices from, uh, a you know, the, the sort of run-of-the-mill players who are doing that, you know, who are trying to sell them for a 100 bucks, right? I mean, that's just trying to get the bits from one place to another, and there's no thought spent in, in, you know, how they sound. Now, you've got some, you know, significant muscle behind trying to make audio, digital audio streaming, not out of place in very high-end audio systems. And that was kind of the biggest thing that was noticeable at this year's Expona show, was was that exact dynamic of really high-quality streaming, in addition to, you know, people are kind of come to accept the fact that you're going to be able to get great sound from a turntable, which is, which again is, is, is a little bit funny to me in some respects. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, but that was, you know, that was a big deal there for sure.
0: When you talk about streaming and the quality you touched on it and we've talked about it, you know, obviously when we did that episode, it was thought at the time, you know, Amazon really was the best streaming service in terms of sound quality. Um, Spotify is still way behind um uh, yep. in terms of that quality. Um Apple has seemed to really uh invest in in improving the streaming quality too on their platform. And there's also title, which you touched on as well in uh in some direct messages that we've kind of gone back and forth with the group. I guess my question is the most important thing to get that quality that was showcased at this at this Forum at this um, convention is where it all starts from, the root of the sound, right? So, you know, if Amazon is outputting this, you know, the certain bits per second or whatever it is, same thing with Tidal and now Apple, you know, in order to get the quality of streaming, you, you know, you can have a good system, but it really depends on the system you're using. Does that still matter? Can you make Spotify sound like Amazon or Tidal on these systems?
1: Yeah, that's a a great question. And the answer is absolutely no, you can't, right? So, uh, you know, so almost all the people that were doing, that were demonstrating uh, 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 streaming services were using Tidal or Qbuzz. They certainly could have used Amazon. And there were a few that were. Uh, Hmm. um, No, absolutely no one was using Spotify, right? I mean, there still isn't a Spotify, even Spotify premium is still, you know, kind of, mid-rate mp3 quality right so there you know there's no there's nothing that any of the audiophile people would uh, you know would consider acceptable about spotify's uh streaming service from a quality perspective um so uh, you know that yeah they weren't they weren't being used at all in any of the rooms that we that we were in and no and no one would I mean, you're not that it would be pointless to, be, to try to, you know, for, for an equipment manufacturer, it would be pointless for them to try to demonstrate a product that wasn't being used with the highest possible quality source. And right now, and for, for in the audiophile community, that means true high-resolution digital, which is better than CD quality, of which the only people that are offering that at the moment are still Title Cubas and Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get actual CD quality now, fortunately, also from Apple, um, uh, but you can't even get CD quality from Spotify. Wow! So wow. that's kind of so that's kind of uh, you know that's kind of where to you know to your exact point, uh, you know nobody's using that and there's no device that's going to make that uh, you know to make that work. Now you know the audiophile view of the streaming services is, is okay. Now at least I have the right quality input, as you were just saying, right? My sound, my starting sound quality is fine. Now I've got to take that and deliver it to the stereo system in the highest possible fidelity, right? And and so there is still more that has to be done that, you know, very high quality processing and digital audio decoding, uh, and then the analog uh, section of the the device that is ultimately what gets amplified and comes out through the speakers. You know, all of that is what the equipment manufacturers in the space are focusing on.
0: What's the innovation telling you? Each year, there's something new, there's something... there's the craze of what companies are going to go after, right? So this is where it all begins. This is kind of where ground zero is. What's the innovation, whether, you know, it's with audio systems, whether it's speakers, what's it telling you?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that the, you know, what the high end, there's continuing to be this, divergence i think between the high-end audio community and unfortunately um and sort of what most people are doing in their lives with music and you know there you know there there's a lot of you know there are a lot of people who you know primarily are using sort of bluetooth speakers and you know relatively small and 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 not terribly expensive ways to listen to music and have become more concerned with um easy access to music than they are the quality of what's being played uh what is being played back on and you know historically uh the audiophile community has been a polar opposite of that and and in fact you know by a couple of my buddies who went uh, to the show with me you know we're a little bit of of uh, of that in between in that you know we're all real music fanatics who happen to care about good sound But, you know, there have been a lot of jokes for decades about, you know, audiophiles who have these incredibly expensive stereos and and own like three records. (laughs) Listen to the same three records on these stereos because they don't actually care about music. They just became audiophiles. And that's what they were. You know, that's what they geeked out on. And unfortunately, you know, I'm reminded of that painfully every time I go to one of these shows. Because Jay, I'm telling you, you would you would absolutely hate this one aspect of these things. For the most part, the music that's being played in these rooms is terrible. Um, it's so bad. It's hard. It sounds good, right? But it's only being played because it sounds good. It's not being played because it's good music. Um, and you know what we all what we hope for when we go into these rooms, and actually streaming has made this a little easier, is that they'll be taking requests right and they'll actually they're actually willing to play things that uh uh, you know that the attendees are interested in hearing and some rooms are and some rooms aren't Uh, you know we we dubbed it we dubbed this one kind of of like female vocal jazz that gets played in so many of these rooms Uh, you know the the jazz that's one note per minute Um, because it's just Oh, it's so, it's so, I mean, you know, for rock and rollers like me, it's just so painful to listen to. Um, uh, and so, you know, we, I admittedly get the most out of the rooms that will in fact take requests and will, uh, you know, it, it just play anything that, uh, you know, that I can, and I like a lot of jazz too, by the way, I'm not dumping on jazz, but you know, I like, I like real jazz from the fifties and sixties, not like some, you know, creation that, uh, was just from, uh, you know it was just from audiophile though so you know there you know there's there's definitely there's definitely that aspect of uh you know of, of the whole experience as well and and you know there i wish these manufacturers would wise up and play music that people are likely to play in their homes because i think they would do a better job of getting people to consider moving up in uh you know in quality and not just use the bluetooth speaker when they're playing music and not be as concerned about musical access only as the only thing they care about but start to think okay well yes now let's just agree that it's a given that i can play anything on planet earth Mm -hmm. right that every musical streaming server every music streaming service is giving me the ability to play literally anything i want at any time now is the time to think about am i enjoying it (laughs) right and uh and that's you know that for anybody who goes to the shows starts to get an idea of what's possible um, and a lot of that stuff, just as you were asking, you know, does eventually make its way into, uh, you know, more affordable products. It starts in the stuff that's more, you know, almost like a lab experiment that people will buy. Um, but then ultimately will, you know, make its way into more and more, uh, you know, more and more products that more and more people can actually afford.
0: It's kind of the way things usually happen, right? I mean, going all yep. the way back to my earliest memories of the VCR. remember VCRs were like, a few hundred bucks when they first came out, you know, like, really oh, yeah, expensive. and now you can get, you know, and then the DVD player replaced that, and those were, uh, you know, oh my months.
1: god, my first DVD player was a Toshiba because it was the first brand that came out with a DVD player, it was a grand,
0: yeah,
1: for a DVD player. Now you can literally buy one for like, well, they don't make them even, you can buy a Blu ray player now, uh, you know, forget about DVD for like 59 bucks,
0: yeah. <laughs> So that always begins too. I mean, and also, yep. you know, these these audio companies that do this want to showcase, you know, one kind of want to flex their muscles for sure, and no, show okay, sure. their competitors what they're working on, and and show the high end audience of what they have. And yes, that stuff then filters down probably in the next dozen years to you know the audio stores at the mall and. You know, whatever, whether it's apt here in Chicago or wherever you're, yep. wherever you're at across the country or overseas, wherever. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a showcase, so you can show off what you have, but it's always cool to kind of see that stuff. As far as speakers go, you know, we we live in we live in a world where speakers are getting smaller and smaller and smaller as the day goes by, and you know, we still romanticize about those. You know, waist high, a little bit above the waist high speakers that we had growing up with the big system. And are those still relative? Are those still important in the audio community? In the high end audio community, for sure. And in
1: fact, I, you know, at at this, you know, here in 2023, at this particular trade show, there were at least. Um. At least two dozen or more pairs of loudspeakers at this show that were actually taller than I am. Wow! Um, uh, And and so you if you went into the if you went into this show and you'd never you know you hadn't had any experience seeing audio equipment um, you know you would not know that speakers could be made small right I mean most of that now there were admittedly some rooms where the focus was on more affordable products and they were and they were actually sort of bragging. About how good their small loudspeakers sounded, and when I say small, in this case, I mean small, right? I mean, like you know, like not even a, not even a, not even a cubic foot, um, but uh, but more <laughs> mostly what gets shown at the high end audio expos like Expona are big, big loudspeakers, um, and you know, they're at some point, you know, the laws of physics really do apply there, right? I mean, they, there, there's been a lot of effort over the years to try to. Improve on loudspeaker design to the extent possible so that you're getting as big a sound from a small speaker as you possibly can. And, it, and it's worked. I mean, you can get much better sound on a small speakers than you used to be able to. Um, but to get that really kind of sound, you know, live music sounding at scale, like we were talking about at the, uh, at the top of the episode, that just requires a bigger speaker. Uh, it, it, there's no, there's no way around that, especially in the bass. It's the bass that's the hardest to do in a uh in uh in a small speaker and yet is so uh, you know is so much a part of what gives music its power um you know that you uh you can't get that out of, out of a speaker that's uh, out of a speaker that's small the really cool thing about this show too is that it is is twofold you know it's not like it's hurting for people to attend as i said it was a record crowd this year um but uh you know it doesn't it it's cheap to go right you don't have to be you don't have to be a million. You may have to be a millionaire to buy most of the stuff you'll see there, but you don't to go to the thing. Right. Um, and uh, and it's you know, it's worth it for people just to go around and see what's possible in the world of audio and then to go buy records. Um, I'm telling you that the the the, the scene at the record, uh, uh, you know, at the at, in the in the ballroom where the record vendors were was a madhouse, and there were you know there were some new releases. Well, I say new releases, you know, not in the kind of thing we talk about in the Groove Council, right? Reissues are what I'm talking about here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But there were, uh, um, you know, they're, they're uh, um, the company Analog Productions has been reissuing all of the Steely Dan catalog this year in uh, in their ultimate vinyl. Which they call UHQR, but it's essentially you know what's called a one-step record, which we've talked about on the show before, where they go directly from the cutting lathe to making these things. Um, and you know they those copies were snapped up within the first hour of the show opening, uh, you know of uh, of the of the the one that just the one that just came out uh, most recently, um, uh, which. I think was pretzel logic um so uh, you know people were lining up for that and and uh, you know a bunch of other records and uh you know there were the every time we popped in uh the record vendors they were really busy i mean they were and they were restocking you know multiple times during the day i mean it was uh you know that was uh you know that was as much and I, you know who doesn't you know who, who that loves music doesn't like flipping through the stacks i mean that was one of the most fun parts of the whole show for me spending a couple of hours uh you know deciding what records to buy while i'm there
2: hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win.
1: And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package.
2: And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month, so just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
0: When you think of the CD, the landscape of the compact disc, five, six years ago, cars stop putting cd players in vehicles which really hurt the sale of that product because more sure spend their lives their days in their in a car going to and from work going out whatever the case is are you still seeing a an a place for the cd in these audio systems that are coming out yeah you know that's a
1: that's a very interesting question so the 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 there were two things related to that. One is that the vast majority of the demo rooms that we went to, uh, in at the trade show itself did not have the capability of playing CDs. They were, they were demonstrating either a turntable or streaming audio, uh, or, you know, back and forth. Um, uh, but there were, there were some, uh, where, you know, there was a, a disc player, um, uh, digital disc player, but the, but they were I mean, way less than half of the rows had those now at the marketplace at all of the places that were selling records were also selling cds um and people were certainly buying them you know i, I you know, i've heard you know I mean, cds been doing a nosedive just like you talked about you know i heard you know i've read some things that you know maybe the tide is turning a little bit on that because vinyls become more and more expensive for sure and so, you know, if you want a physical copy of uh, of uh the of a music that you love, you know, the more affordable way to do that now for sure is buying a CD. Um uh but uh but in terms of in terms of the actual ability to play them you know the uh, the, the high end audio world certainly seems to be relatively disinterested in that. And you know I've I've uh, I've had people come to me a lot recently and say you know I want a CD player. What should I get? And almost universally, my advice to them is to buy a Blu Ray player because you, to buy it's actually kind of hard to buy a standalone CD player now. Um, and in fact, the 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 disc players that were um, in the audio rooms that, uh, uh, that did have them at Extona were all Blu-ray players. And they were Blu-ray players because those Blu-ray players will play super audio CD. Um, uh, whereas, you know, a regular CD player, uh, typically cannot. Um, so SACD, so they were playing, you know, most of the, you know, most of those were there for their ability to play SACDs.
0: Sound quality is better on the Blu-ray as is, is, is well, too.
1: Yeah, and, and, and certainly SACD sounds better than regular CD. Um, the, uh, and uh, yes, uh, for sure. I mean, they're – and, and uh, you know, they're uh, – and, uh, and Blu-ray players are very affordable. I mean, there's a few that are still kind of expensive, but, you know, they're not um, – you know, they're easy to get and even, you know, relatively decent ones for, you know, a couple hundred
0: bucks. As we talk about vinyl, too, in a, in a lot of the episodes that uh, you come on and, and do with us – where is the the innovation with vinyl coming is it coming from the actual product is there ways to improve the sound of the actual vinyl record or is now is it mostly in the hands of the system that's playing the the, the vinyl
1: yeah i think it i i think it's i think it's unfortunately the latter and i say unfortunately because if anything the vinyl resurgence does cause the overall quality of vinyl to go down generally speaking um the exception to that is in the high end world, there are these, uh, you know, sort of ultra vital formats um, that are as a format. It's not really a format. It's still a record like anybody can buy and you know, can play. Um, but where, you know, great attention to detail has been taken on how the record was pressed and where it was pressed and what the sources are and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, making sure it, it's you know clean and not not noisy sounding and those tend to come with premium prices too um uh you know as a result and in fact one of the i can't remember whether we talked about this on one of the shows or not but part of the big deal in the high-end audio community for that kind of expensive lp reissue is that it be 100 percent analog right so if you're talking about reissuing for example you're talking about reissuing the steely dan catalog right Mm -hmm. those were obviously recorded on analog tape because they were those albums were made in the 70s right um if audiophiles buying a vinyl reissue want the vinyl reissue to have been hundred percent analog, right? No digital audio conversion in the process of making the record. Um, well, last year, um, one of the big names in high end uh, music formats, uh, mobile fidelity sound lab got busted for the fact that they had really been misleading consumers into thinking that they were getting a hundred percent analog vinyl when they weren't. When MoFi was actually digitizing, admittedly in very high quality, but they were digitizing master tapes and then making vinyl from the uh from the digital files instead of directly, instead of cutting the vinyl lathe directly from the tape. So, and they were uh they got sued. Um, and you know, there was a class action lawsuit and there's been a settlement. I mean, it was kind of a big deal. So the people who aren't doing that have made a big deal about the fact that they're all analog. Um, you know, there are, it would be nice if the overall quality of pressing plants would come back up, but that's the only way that vinyl could sound better, right? Is less noisy records. Um, and that's not really happening. So the answer to your question is that any improvement that has to come from the equipment that's playing it back. Right. And, you know, that can start with, uh, you know, better phonograph cartridges and there were you know there were certainly uh some interesting photo cartridges shown uh at the uh you know at the show um and uh and then you know turntables and and the whole amp that that whole lp playback chain um but you know the uh you know the more the more some of especially on the on the phonograph side the, the phonograph cartridge side the more the the more that can can make its way into more affordable products, the happier people will generally be with vinyl playback overall. Although, you know, as we also talked about a couple episodes ago, 50% of the people that buy vinyl don't even own a turntable. So that we could start just by having them actually buy one, um, and that would be great.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's that whole collector um, issue yeah. item that people are yeah. looking at it now. You know, something to display and... Something to you know, claim your your flag on fandom and what you like. Um as far as the systems go, are you seeing more of a focus on the DJ aspect of music?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. That 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 does not get there are probably trade shows that address that. That does not get covered at high-end audio shows at all. And there's been over the years you know, there's been kind of a, I don't want to say animosity exactly, but the, you know, but there's, there's been a polarization between the DJ world and its equipment and audiophiles and their equipment. And it's funny because they are some of the same manufacturers make products for both groups. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, Technics, Audio Technica, Pioneer, you know, all of those brands make DJ turntables. And for a while, um, you know, back before the vinyl resurgence, you know, DJ turntables were kind of the turntables that were still being made. Um, and and that's probably the source of some of the, of the, uh, uh, you know, mildly bad blood between the camps. There's there there's no DJ gear at these high-end audio shows. Um, and they really are designed for different things, right? I mean, the, you know, DJ turntables especially are designed for, you know, being able to, uh, hot mix and queue up and, and, you know, do all that kind of stuff that DJs do that audiophiles would, uh, you know, go uh, uh, apoplectic about having somebody do that to their records. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a split crew there, I think.
0: You know, at the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned about the amount of people that were there. And of course the pandemic slowed a lot of stuff down because people weren't doing Things like this, there weren't conventions to go to. There was a lot of different um, regulations put in place. But while that was going on, people were home in front of their computers, ability to buy things online. Yep. If they weren't going on vacation, they were buying audio systems. They were buying instruments. They were buying things that they had extra cash laying around. They had to cancel their Disneyland vacation for that year, their trip to Hawaii, or their trip to the... So the Caymans or Caribbean, you know, so that actually is benefited this industry, the audio industry, I think clearly by, by, by having a lockdown and people stay in their homes. You've been to a lot of these prior to the pandemic and now this one after the pandemic, what's different about the consumer now?
1: Yeah. The, the, at this particular, at this particular show, um, there definitely were more um people that i saw in attendance that were uh you know that were that were interested in it um and maybe weren't kind of lifelong audiophiles I and mean, one of the things that's been true about the high-end audio space is what they've you know what they've called the graying of the audio uh, community right um and uh and you know a lot of them you know having been people that you know like us grew up when stereos were king right where you know that was the you know when you were when you know when i was a teenager in the 80s in high school uh, you know the the only two things that that gave you any kind of status like that were you know if you're actually able to drive a car um, and, uh, and, uh, and what it was and did the stereo that you had in your house, right. right? Uh, and that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, we've talked about that before. It's a little bit of a, of a bygone thing. Um, but as you also mentioned, you know, there's been, and I think the pandemic absolutely fueled this, there's been this, uh, you know, resurgence in the interest in collecting physical music media, um, and uh, you know the the audio world will will benefit from that. And there was clearly an element of the of of that visible at this last show. I still think that that high end audio has to find you know has to continue to find ways to reach younger audiences, or it's going to eventually become a super 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 small niche market. Um, uh, when you know people our age aren't buying audio equipment anymore because we either aren't or we're dead, right? Um, and, uh, and, and the, and the product category to accomplish that so far is the turntable. I mean, you mentioned to me, uh, your son's interested in buying a turntable, right? That's amazing. Right. Because, you know, now you've got somebody who's, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, just a, just graduated high school. Congrats to him. Um, and wants a turntable. That's awesome. That's what's required in order to have this, uh, you know, the, you know, the shows like Expona. You know, continue to grow and have 10,000 people coming to them 15 years from now, right? Because that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where it all starts. I mean, my daughter, the same way my daughter's in her mid twenties and last Christmas, that's what she asked for for Christmas was a turntable. So I think that that's helped. Now, can we get that age group, that pivotal age group of, of young music lovers, which there certainly are to care equally about the sound quality that they get for streaming? Because if they do then I think there's a very bright future for the high-end audio world. Um, But, you know, that, you know, that has to, uh, you know, that has to become a thing for people that age group is they've got to decide, you know, I, not only do I want access to the entire world's musical library, um, but I want it to sound good when I'm listening to it. Um, And, uh, and I think, you know, the high-end audio community has got the technology now to make that a reality. I heard it at this last show for sure. Uh, and so hopefully we'll uh, hopefully we'll see more people uh, in the younger age brackets interested in uh, interested in having that experience.
0: It seems like the younger generation is more interested in the earbuds and the headphones and, and kind of tuning out the world kind of kind of as, yep. more so than having audio that fills a room.
1: Yeah, you know, that's true. And 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 I'm glad you mentioned that because I did not mention and I'm remiss doing it. There's a whole giant section of Expona called ear gear. <laughs> um so there's a there's a one of the one of the other really big ballrooms, and you can get away with this for headphones, right? Because you have a million headphone listening stations in the same room. Nobody it doesn't matter. Um uh there's an enormous section of the show dedicated just to headphone audio. Uh because you're right. And I think a lot of a lot of that um has been you know either the you know shared work environments or working from home and you want to listen to music while you're working uh you know in a lot of disciplines like people who are writing code or whatever um and uh and want to be able to listen to music and that requires the use of headphones uh and so you know there has unquestionably been a massive explosion in the headphone market over the last you know dozen or so years uh and that was very much on display at expo lots and lots of uh of you know headphones in every possible price category and, and size and shape you know earbuds yes but also you know full-size as old folks like me call them cans right um uh uh, uh you know and, and just about every conceivable thing in between so you're absolutely right on about that headphone audio is a really big deal and it was absolutely covered in you know to major effect at the expona show
0: that's really where the youth is. I mean, that's, you see every kid walking around with, with earbuds in their ear, tuning out the world where, you know, they're more interested in sound quality through that platform than they are, you know, the audio file and the, and the systems.
1: Yeah. And that's absolutely true. And the, and the better, you know, if, I mean, for some, for some people in the, in younger generations, the best sound quality they've ever heard in their life is definitely from headphones. Mm-hmm. um if they've invested in uh in in uh, you know some of the you know some of the better brand of headphones and you know some of the noise canceling headphones which are actually really remarkably good sounding um uh you know they're uh you know that and that will i agree that will continue to be a thing and if some of that uh you know if some of that's also can spawn an interest in uh you know in better sound quality from streaming then that's uh that's also all the better for everybody
0: yeah, you, a lot of the things that you touched on. I think, you know, when you talk about the generations, they, it was just an article that was released today that the, medium age, or the median age for people in the U.S. now is 39 went up <clears throat> a year. Yeah. So when you look at the younger generation and how they're consuming things and absorbing things, it seems to be getting smaller and smaller. You know, the devices are smaller than what they use. There's nothing gigantic. There's nothing enormous about whatever they they listen to and like you said if if the audio industry doesn't try to capitalize on i think that's pretty much the the secret to everything now right is how do you take something that people know and people have been buying for generations and now make it attractive to the youth whether it's music whether it's going to the movie theater whether it's audio systems whether it's whatever right and that's that's the code that a lot of industries have to crack because yeah,
1: for sure. And, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's always been sort of an an interesting relationship between, you know, the audio world and the music world because the audio world doesn't exist at all without music. Obviously that's its only point. Um, And yet, you know, there, you know, the music industry itself has typically shown very little interest in, in audio quality in the mainstream. You know, that's not really new um you know that it, you know it's always it's kind of always been that way i mean that's why we were that's why cassettes were foisted on us back in the 70s it was all about convenience and not about sound quality right and there have been lots and lots of uh you know of things like that uh of things like that unfortunately uh you know over the years but what we clearly see is the the, the interest in music is certainly not waning in any way shape or form right before coming onto to this uh to this call I saw that Kate Bush's song, Running Up That Hill, which is from 1985, and got that big boost from being on, oh, God, some show I don't even know the name of, which I'm sure I should, and shows I'm an old fogey because I don't know the name of it. But um, it was on some really popular show, and that caused it to have this massive resurgence. It just passed a billion streams. (laughs) That's incredible. That is staggering. Kate Bush can't believe it. I mean, she's literally become a multimillionaire when she was kind of... You know, Kate was always sort of on the the edge of... Even in the 80s, right? Was always kind of on the edge of the mainstream. Yeah, but yeah not she's really a literal you know? Yeah, exactly. And I don't know how well any of her 80s records actually sold, you know, would be. But I guarantee you, not a billion <laughs> is the answer. Um, so... Well, you know, it just parlays
0: into more things. It parlays into now the shows. If she wants to play a, a you know, a, a few shows, they're in larger venues, and they, you know, she gets more money. So it, it definitely, definitely has a, a domino effect for her. Absolutely. Her,
1: oh, there's no question about it. Uh, you know, she's she's now going to be perfectly comfortable in her retirement. Um, but the, but the, you know, but it just goes to show you. I mean, that you know, the, the the fact that that can happen to a song that was written in 1985. Is you know is just one example that you know the music business as a whole. There's you know you and you and Christy do those great episodes that I love listening to about that whole dynamic. There's lots of things wrong with the music industry right now in terms of compensation for artists and all that sort of stuff. But the fundamental demand by humanity for music is, has not decreased at all. No, right no. now you just have more humans, all of whom want music in their lives in a big way. Um, and, you know, hopefully that's the kind of thing that at least some, you know, relatively healthy percentage of those people will at some point in their life wake up and think, you know what, it would be really cool if the music that I listened to sounded better. And that's what shows like Expona are all about.
0: It's, it was kind of ironic or the irony of someone, some on the presidential or upper management level of Spotify calling Meghan Markle and Harry grifters for the contract that went south with Spotify and I'm like <laughs> the irony of someone from Spotify calling someone grifters is <laughs> yeah, is, no is probably the moment of the week right oh my god if that's
1: yeah that is just uh you know the the old all the all the old fra- uh, phrases about uh, not casting aspersions
0: and all that kind of stuff i mean they should know better um that's incredible Absolutely. but Absolutely. yeah yeah the amount of compensation they pay these artists while they're making sure. billions of dollars why they can afford a 20 million dollar contract with Meghan markle and harry is because yeah, who by the
1: way don't make music right
0: right <laughs> yeah. Is because there's yeah. a little bit of grifting going on, uh-huh. on um yeah yep. any final thoughts
1: before we wrap up no, I think that's it. I, you know, the one thing that the the one thing that I would again say, especially if you're one of those people like us who happens to live in the Chicago area, and there are other audio shows. I mean, this is not the only one; it happens to be the largest in North America. Um, but there are other audio shows. There are some in LA and New York, and 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 there's one in Florida. I mean, there, you know, there are quite a few. If you have even if you're listening to this episode and you love music and you have even a passing interest in having your music sound better, go to one of these. Again, the worst thing you—the worst thing that happens to you—is you get to listen to some cool stuff and you buy a couple records and you come home happy uh, just for that. But you know, it is—you uh, uh, know—it's well worth taking the time on a weekend, on a Saturday, uh, you know, to go out to one of these and just listen to what's possible, right? Because that's what these are all about: is being able to is being able to go and you know listen to what is uh, you know at the very edge of uh, of uh, of the audio equipment world.
0: And where the innovations going, where this yep. whole industry is headed. And it's going to be interesting over the next decade to see where things go with different types of products and how they make an attempt to capture the youth and, and, and that audience. And those consumers who are going to be getting jobs and who have already started to get jobs in the real world and making money, how are they going to capitalize on that? And how are they going to attract people to that?
1: Yeah, which they all know they need to do, so for sure. Yep, we'll see more and more of that.
0: Thanks, man. Appreciate it, Rob.
1: It is always a pleasure to be on the show, Jay, and uh, we'll see you out at a show soon.
0: Absolutely. That is Rob. You can find him at Skylabs on Twitter. It's a great follow. And listen to some of the other episodes that he's done with The Hook Rocks. And just great conversation and, and really knowledgeable in terms of what's happening with audio, with vinyl, with headgear, with ear protection, with setting up your own audio system. I think there's probably been about six or seven episodes that we've done that um, really do a great job of informing you, the consumer, the listener, as to what's out there and I think the last one we did, too, before the vinyl, we did a history of vinyl. I think the last one we did was was, uh, Vintage Audio Systems, which was really good. Yep, yep, fun stuff. Check all those out. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks for listening. Take care of each other. We'll talk soon. Take care.